Good morning, everyone. My name is Jason Boker. I will be reading from Psalm 20, verses 1 through 9. You want to turn, turn your Bibles to those verses and read along with me? May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of God may, may the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. May he grant your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed, and he will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. Our Lord save the king. May he answer us when we call. Join me in prayer, please. Father, we are uh, humble as we look into the nature of your character, and the things you've done, the things you've revealed to us. Uh, Father, as mere finite mortals, God, we are in awe of you. We are in awe of uh, what you have done, what you say to us, what you promise us, Father. And today, as we open your word and we seek to understand more about who you are and how that impacts our lives, God, I just pray that you would uh, use your word, uh, your spirit to direct me and every heart that's gathered here to worship you today. Um, so we, we give you this time and we pray, God, you'd use it for your glory and honor and praise. And to that end, we uh, just trust you and look to you this morning. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, today, as we come to this study on the uh, names of God. Uh, there is a reason for that, that we might know God better. Uh, I don't know about you, but a lot of times in life when I face struggle, I'm overcome, I'm, I'm weary to the point of being ready to give up, uh, I, I'm just uh, fearful, I want to run. Uh, you know, those are experiences, I think, that are common to all of us. And in the scriptures, those things happen too. And, and in the scriptures, we, we saw a, a phrase that kind of gives us an, an idea into the heart of some of the Old Testament saints. They trusted in horses and chariots. And the question is, why did they do that? Uh, do we do something like that today? And, and the reality is, uh, they, I think, did it in part because it's something you can see. <laughs> it's something you can control. And, and in the same way today, we don't have chariots and horses per se, but we have cars and guns, and we make bomb shelters, and we have money we put away, and we do things to protect ourselves when we become fearful or overwhelmed, whatever. So, uh, you know, and what this, what this series is going to be about is is driving our hearts, our minds, uh, our persons into the character of God to find in Him what we need. We, we don't need bomb shelters. We, we don't need a lot of other stuff. The scriptures tell us in Proverbs 21, 31, these words, the horse is made ready for the day of battle, but who brings the victory? The victory belongs to the Lord. And, and that's such a great truth for all of us to, to keep in mind day in and day out as we 
face and as we have to endure and sometimes seemingly being overwhelmed by the battles that we face. Maybe it's a loss of a job or loss of a loved one or, or, or just, you know, fearful about this world we live in and the terrorism, all those kinds of things. You know, and, and the question behind all of that is why does God allow it? Why does God allow us to go through times like that? And I hope through this study you will discover that the reason God permits it or allows us is to drive us to Him, that we might find in Him our strength and our victory. And so with that background, I just want to spend a few moments with David, a man who I believe understood this principle that, that, that God allowed hardship, difficulty, challenges to come into his life. Sometimes David messed up. But many, many times David did the right thing. And in this psalm that, uh, that uh, Jason just read for us, I'm going to reread it for you, but I'm going to read it differently than he read it. N not that he read it badly, but I, I just want to emphasize in this psalm the things God does for us. It says, may the Lord answer. He, he will answer us when we call on him. May he answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the Lord or the God of Jacob protect you. There, there is protection in him, and we need to seek out and reach out to find that as David did. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. The idea here is, is that he supports us. He upholds us with his righteous right hand. You know, uh, one of my favorite things to do in, in years gone by is when people would leave the church, I'd say, how's it going this week? And they'd say, oh, I'm hanging in there. And I'd say, no, you're not. God is upholding you with his righteous right hand. It's so easy for us to lose sight of that. And, and, and I want us to acquire, and maybe we have already, but to build and deepen our, our view of God in the same way that uh, David did. He gives you support from Zion. May he, re may he remember all your offerings and regard you with favor. Um, your burnt uh, sacrifices, Selah. May he grant you your heart's desires and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God, set up our banners. That means to set up banners of victory and success uh, in his name for his glory. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed and he will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They continue to fall, uh, those who don't believe, they collapse and fail, but we rise up and stand upright. O oh Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. What, what we see in these words that David penned was, was a deep understanding of God's provision, of who God is. And, and, and when he called on the name of God, he was, he was meditating, he was reflecting, he was contemplating the very character of God. Some call it the attributes of God or the perfections of God, but it is knowing God as deeply and as intimately as we can as his followers. And, and so through struggles and trials in life, uh, God wants us to, to drive into him to find the answers and the hope for our lives in, in a strong and profound way as David did. The object of his faith was to grow and to know more of God and more of the provision of God through his his contemplation, his meditation of God's character, God's reputation. 
The scriptures say, and, and this is borne out, this thing I'm talking about, this principle uh, in Psalm, or excuse me, Isaiah 50, 10. It says there, let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. See, this is to believers. This isn't to unbelievers who walk in darkness. There's times we go through the valley of darkness and the, and the shadow of, uh, of death overwhelms us. Uh, and we're to drive into God, to grow in our understanding and knowledge, to trust in the name of our Lord. Uh, it says later in, in Psalm 50, 15, these words, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. This is God's plan that we would, uh, as we face the hardships, the struggles, the difficulties, we would drive into him, we would get to know him more deeply and more intimately. I, I put a little slide on, on the screen behind me. It, it sort of depicts in a simplistic way the journey of life for a person who comes to faith if they grow and mature in that, in that process. And you can see over time uh, and, and on, on the axis that goes up, knowing God. And, and the gold part in the bottom is, is kind of representing spiritual growth that's regular and continual, uh, a greater knowledge of of God, of growing in our faith and walking in the Spirit. And what that does is it removes or eradicates. The more we do that, it eradicates walking in the flesh and living in unbelief. And you notice at the top, it never gets to perfection, but hopefully there's this growth in our lives through the difficulties, the challenges to know God more intimately, more deeply. One of our core pursuits here in our community groups is what? To grow to know God more intimately. That's to know the character of God, the reputation of God, and to build our lives in and on those truths. So we rely on them. We trust in them. You know, I, I think back to the account of David, if you could with me for a moment, very common story, David and Goliath, you know, this, this giant that was taller than this building, not, not quite, but <laughs> you get the idea. And when David went out, it says in 1 Samuel 17, 45, he, he, he's speaking to this giant with, with these huge swords and shields, and all David has is his sling and his stone. And, and, and he, he goes out and he says these words, I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. And who won that one? David did, didn't he? he he's, his faith, his trust, his confidence, his certainty, his security, his hope was in the Lord God Almighty. He knew the reputation, the character, the person of God in that way. And, and I hope that's the outcome of this uh, time. We look at to the names of God. First name we're going to take a look at this morning comes from Genesis 1, 1 through 5. It says there, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God said that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and that was, and, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. The God we meet in this passage is the first reference to God we find in all the scriptures, and his name here is Elohim. Uh, we'll get to some of the others in the course of the study. And I have a little slide I'll show you that kind of shows how you can determine or pick them out in the scriptures in the English translations. I forgot to share it in the first service, so you get this one for, for no charge today. So anyway, the reality is I want to talk with you about Elohim. Elohim is built uh, on the word El, which means strength and sovereignty and power and might. 
and, and we add the, the ending him, which is the plural. It's a plural of person, and it's the plural of majesty in the Hebrew language. But what, what, what this name depicts is God is creator. 35 times in uh, Genesis 1 up to chapter uh, or verse 2 in chapter 2, that name of God is used 35 times. Throughout the Old Testament, Elohim is used 3,600 times. So it is one of the most common and profound references we have to God, speaking of Almighty God who brought everything into existence, who created all that we know, Elohim. Uh, and he is the God uh, that is overall. Uh, understand, nowhere else in the Bible is the word create when it refers to the universe ever tied to any other name other than God. And I, years ago, I did a study on how many books of the Bible talk about creation. How, how many, guess, how many do you think there are? Take a shot. One, Genesis. A lot of people think just Genesis. 44 books in the Bible talk about the creator and his creation. More than two-thirds of scripture refers to him, uh, if we include the New Testament. So, so this is the God we're here to worship. He's a majestic God. He's an eternal God. We'll see in a moment. He is a God who uh, has uh, plurality in his character. He's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We see that brought out in the acts of creation, the Spirit of God. We read in verse 2 and 3, hovered over the face of the waters. We read in Colossians 1, 6, by him, Jesus, all things were created in heaven and earth. So we see the plurality of the Godhead at work. We also see this in Genesis 1, 26, where it talks about God creating man. Then God said, let us make man in our image. The, the Hebrew verb here is plural. And it speaks to the plurality of God in the acts of creation. So we see the majesty, the glory, and the plurality of God in his creative work. Jesus was there, as was the Holy Spirit. So, so why is this name important to us? Why should we dwell on it? Why, why should we think about it? And I, I want to submit to you a couple of things. First, God created you. He made you. Uh, you're not just the, the, the product of your parents' love. God created you. He brought man into being for his purposes, his eternal purposes, and for us to relate to and to know him. That is the purpose. We come to him to know him and, and to serve and work out his purpose. The scriptures, and these are David's words again, say in, in uh, Psalm 139, 13 through 14, you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I, I want you to think about that. David wrote those words, but you could pray those back to God. Every one of us can pray back to God. You formed me. You made me the way I am. With, with curly hair, straight hair, tall, short, um, beautiful, not so beautiful, uh, skinny like me, whatever, uh, that's just the way God chose to make me. And, and I want to extol him. I, I want to magnify his name for, for creating in me and for making me the way he's made me. You know, I've got a lot of defects. I've got crooked teeth and I've got problems and yada, yada, yada. But, but God fearfully made me. And we need to buy into that truth and live in that reality and, and proclaim the glory of God as he uh, made us in that way. 
You know, somebody, uh, ancient, uh, uh, an ancient, incredible man of God, uh, argued with God about how God made him. Remember Moses? Uh, after the burning bush, he complained to God about his inability to speak eloquently. And you know what God did? He didn't say, oh, that's all right. He rebuked him. He said, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not the Lord? So, so I want us to, to embrace our, our creation, our, our persons as the work of God, the wonder, the glory of him, because God did it. And we need to understand that. And, and I want to take us, and if you get nothing else out of the message this morning, write down Isaiah 40 through 43, 3 through 7. These are, these are incredible words because it shows us how God looks at us as a result of his creation. It says there, and the word here is Elohim, for I am the Lord your God, Elohim, and you are precious in my eyes. Do you see yourself as precious in the eyes of God? He looks on you and, and deems you and values you as his precious daughter or son. He goes on to say, you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. The, the God who created the universe loves us. And we see that fully, obviously, in the work of Christ. But, but remember, this is the God who formed and fashioned you, loves you as you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Embrace that and, and know that you're here not, not to be happy about um, um, your imperfections, but to use them for his glory and for his purpose, to show the world that God can take you, however he created it, however he used you for his purpose and glory. That's why we're here. We're to live for that. We're to live for that end. You know, if we're living here for the pleasures of this world, that's existence. If we're living for the glory of God, that is purpose, and that is to fulfill the very reason he made us. Because one day he's going to come and take us to be with him. So, so live in that truth and, and believe in that truth. And, 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 and as we go through this series, I, I hope you will find, if you're struggling in areas, some of the names of God that will meet you where you're at. Maybe right now you struggle uh, with, uh, you know, how you look or, or one of your children or, or whatever. You may struggle with it, but understand God doesn't make mistakes. He has a purpose in all that he does, and he loves and he values. Every creature, every person is precious in his sight. Build on that, believe in that, and uphold that. The next name we want to spend some time on this morning is, is the name the eternal God, the term Elohim Olam, and, and it simply means the Lord God eternal. God eternal, the eternal God. We see this in uh, Isaiah, just one of many verses, probably 400 in the Old Testament that use the word olam. Uh, it says in uh, Isaiah 40, 38, have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And the idea in, in the word olam is eternality, it's, it's of never-endingness, it, it is of uh, persistence, of, of perpetualness, of uh, that which is forevermore. And, and this term is always linked with Elohim uh, in this way, this manner, the Lord God eternal. Abraham understood this and he writes in Genesis 21, 33, uh, where he planted a, a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, 
the everlasting God. In Psalm 90, 1 through 2, we read these words, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So these, these scriptures, the, these truths come out and bring us front and centered with one of the greatest truths, one of the most fundamental and foundational truths of our faith, and it is the eternality of God. Uh, many, many things rest on that great truth, and we've hopefully unpacked those and see those today. Uh, but as I thought about that preparing for today, I, I was thinking, can, can you wrap your head around an eternal God, uh, a God without beginning, a God without end? You know, everything in our sphere of, of influence, in, in our world that we, uh, you know, we're uh, involved in day in and day out, has a beginning and it has an end. But to know a God without a beginning and a God without an end, that's, uh, that's the challenge before us. So, so uh, we're going to talk about an eternal God in the next 15, 20 minutes, and, and you're going to understand him when we're done, okay? <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a huge joke, obviously. But, but understand, uh, we, we hopefully we'll pick up a few things. First, what, what is eternity? It is, uh, it is um, basically infinity. Uh, the passage, and we can't even say the passage of time, but it is limitless existence. It is infinite existence. It is to be without beginning and to be without end. That's what the scriptures declare of God. I, if we could use the, the term forwards and backwards, we could say of God, you can look as far backwards as you could possibly ever uh, go or, or determine, and before that, God was, God is. And you could go as far forward as you could possibly ever go, and God is there, as fully unchanged as uh, he is at this very moment, eternally, endlessly black, backwards and forwards. That, that is eternality in a sense. As we move on, I, I want you to think about a couple things. And what eternality or his God the eternal has to do with us. And, and the very beginning of our, our lives, of this world, this universe, is rooted and grounded in his eternality. We read a, a moment ago from Genesis 1 through 5 that, uh, you know, in the beginning God created. Uh, we read this also in uh, Psalm 90 just a few moments ago, but I want to remind you of this. It says, before the mountains were formed, brought forth, or ever had been framed, the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. You are good. The truth here is that before there was a created order, before there was a universe, God was. He existed. He was eternal. Uh, God was there. And the, the world that we live in, the life that we experience, all that we know can understand is a result of the eternal God who chose to create from his eternality. So understand everything that we experience today is by his pleasure and purpose. He created it that we might know it, the eternal God. As we think more about this, uh, we need to think of this truth as well. <clears throat> when did time begin as we know it? Well, again, Genesis 5 tells, or 1, 5 tells us that, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. So time as we know it, the succession, the beginning of time started on that first day of creation. And every day since then, there's been, what, another day, uh, and over time, another year. And that is all within the eternality and the power and the sovereignty of the living, eternal God. God did not have his beginning at, at any point in that time because he was before it. 
So we can't say God uh, had a beginning. Literally, we can't. Uh, if we think about God, we can't even say, uh, I mean, if we do say God had a beginning, it implies that someone greater than God created God. And I know this is a little logical and maybe sound like double talk, but think about it for a moment. If God was not eternal, then he had to have his origin from another being. And that other being would be greater than God because he would have created God. So God wouldn't be God, or maybe he'd be God number two, and there'd be a God number one who's greater. But the scripture gives testimony to the fact that there is only the eternal God without beginning who we are here to worship and, and to uh, seek in every way to serve and know in this life. In the same way, God is without end. Throughout the scriptures, we, we, we read passages that talk about the fact that God's existence is forever. Here, here's just a couple. Psalm 9-7, and it says, still be, a, talking of God, that he would still be as far from the end as from the beginning, but God, God sits enthroned forever. Psalm 102-27, but you are the same, and your years have no end. And so we see a picture of God without ending. And if we think about the, the eternality of God, if nothing brought God into existence, nothing has power over God, therefore nothing could cause within God for him to cease to exist. The only reason I'm going to cease to exist is, at least in this human body, is because I don't have within me the, the life to sustain me uh, beyond this physical world. God will sustain me and make me immortal in another world, but not in this life. I will die one day unless Jesus comes uh, and, you know, raptures us all. And I don't know where all of you stand on that. But uh, anyway, uh, I know he's going to come for some folks. So, uh, and I'm one of them. So now you know my theology. So <laughs> whatever that's worth. So, but, but understand, this is, this is the, the, the God we're here to worship without beginning, without end. And, and this begs and leads us to the next uh, truth of his unchangingness. But before we get there, I, I, I want to just share with you this one truth. What did God call himself when he met Moses? At the burning bush, he said, I am. I am that I am. And, and this name really is, is a, a name that is so profound that God would call himself that because that name doesn't, doesn't look to a past. It doesn't look to a future. It looks to a present. It is a present tense Hebrew verb that just means being. I am. And it is, with the changes that the, the Hebrew folks made to it, it, it is that term, Chris is going to touch this in a, in a couple of weeks, the, the term Yahweh, or Yahweh. And so we will deal with that name uh, when we get to that. And I forgot to show you the slide with the names. Could you throw that up there real quick? Can you do that? Yeah, um, in your English Bibles, Elohim will always be translated uh, or, or depicted with God's small letters for the O and D. Uh, Jehovah, uh, Lord, will always have capitals. Adonai will be Lord with small case. And then if it's uh, uh, Jehovah, Adonai, it'll be Lord and God with the, the big case. So as you're reading your, your uh, ESV Bibles, that's the, the characterization will be there. But understand this, God is eternal. He is forever. And uh, he's called himself I am. He will never call himself I am not. He is, he is Jehovah. So uh, we can... Uh, just worship him and praise him for that. Understand as well, God alone is the only eternal being ever to exist. It, it says, as Jesus uh, spoke, or as the scripture spoke of Jesus' uh, creation in Colossians 1, 16, 
It says, for him, Jesus, by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Uh, so if, if we learn anything from this, it's this, everything except God was created. Therefore, it's not eternal. It has a beginning. And were it not for God, uh, some things will cease to exist like chairs and and planets when the new heavens and earth come. But the reality is we, those who know him, we will become immortal because we will be with him. He will make us that way. I, I used to take reference, you know, because I'm growing older. Some of you know how old I am. But the reality is every day I look in the mirror, I'm getting older. You know, and um, I grew up, I was a kid, I was an adult. Now I'm an old guy. So, um, <laughs> you know, and you, you look in the mirror and you see the, the eyebrows that grow this crazy hair and comes out of your ears and your skin's wrinkled, and some of you know what I'm talking about, but see, I'm changing, I'm growing, <laughs> and, and, I, and but God does not. God is consistent, never changes. He is the same forever, and, and uh, though I, um, that is something we can just worship and praise in him. The scriptures declare this immutability, this unchangeableness in God, so his eternality is always the same. No beginning, no end, always the same. Think of God in that way, unchanging. I, I love what James 1.17 says, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And Malachi, I love Malachi 2.5.6, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Y you know what hap would happen if God changed? we would vaporize. If God ceased to exist, everything that's here that Jesus is holding together would cease to exist. So our very existence, our very life depends upon him. We have life as well in him. It's from him. Uh, John 5.26, and uh, these are Jesus's words. For as the father has life in himself, so he has granted the son also to have life in himself. All life that exists, everything, every living being on this planet has life from the Father. So that's one of his gifts to us, and we can rejoice in that. Uh, his, his life is in us. His life is unchanging, and that life for him never brings anything different than his glory uh, and all that he's about. I, I want us to think just for a moment about, and why I said earlier, that, that the eternality of God in some ways is, is foundational to understanding the name, the character, the reputation, the, the wonder of God. I mean, if we think about God's power, if God isn't eternal, if God doesn't exist uh, always in the past and always in the future, then he can't be almighty because there would be a time where he would be what? Without power. The same is true of his knowledge, his understanding. We call it his omniscience. I, if there were a time that God didn't exist uh, in the past or in the future, we, we couldn't, we couldn't uh, say of him he knows all things because there was a time he wasn't around trust me there's many 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 things i don't know because i wasn't around god has always been around that's one of the reasons we can say those things of him as we think about um, uh, the new testament as well and jesus and, and the gospel itself we we learn from the scriptures that the whole plan of salvation the gospel itself came from the eternal god uh, join me as, as we look here just for a moment at Romans 16, 26. It says there uh, that the, the mysteries of the gospel have been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the commands of the eternal God 
to bring about the obedience of faith. See, see God knew in, in eternity past, if we can use that term, that man would fall and that he would provide a savior. So uh, in his plan, in his purpose, in his eternal decrees, he, he planned to send Jesus into the world to die, to bear the penalty for our sin. Jesus in uh, Revelation 20, thir 22, 13 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and then. What God began and what God has revealed through time and history, through Jesus and through the gospel, will come to fruition one day by the eternal God, the first and the last, the I am, the Alpha, the Omega. Uh, and the whole book of Revelation is, is about one thing, about God's judgment. Uh, what, what he started in creation, what he started and, and, and the gospel that he sent into our world will one day come to fruition. Uh, and it's all revealed in the book of Revelation. He will come to judge. The Alpha and the Omega, he will end, he will end it all as we know it. He is the beginning, the end, the first, the last, the Alpha, the Omega. He will come as judge. You know, there, there's, there's great truths in that, great hope. You know, he will sustain all that has been brought to pass through his life, his ministry, through the gospel, through the promises of the gospel. All that is in place, and we can rejoice in that and celebrate that. But, but I want us to, to understand this as well. Just as we hope in the truth of the gospel and, and the eternal life that will be ours in him, I want us to also remember that what is true of us as those who have saved, are saved, who've embraced the gospel, who've believed in the complete, perfect, finished work of Jesus Christ, all the hope and the joy that brings to us, the same is true uh, in a sense for those who have rejected Christ. There will be eternal condemnation. There will be judgment fall upon them. Uh, the eternal God is... Uh, still going to rule the universe and there will be a day of reckoning there will be a final judgment you know he will say to some depart from me you who are cursed in the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels so there's many people around us who will who will suffer the fate of uh, rejecting an eternal god and that fate will be to spend eternity separated from him we need to embrace that understand that and and, and allow that to impact our hearts and lives as we relate to the people around us I want us to think, just kind of wrapping up here, about three great things. First, God's help is always available. God doesn't change. His help doesn't diminish. Uh, you could call me tomorrow and say, could I help you? And I say, I could say, I'm tired. I, I can't help. <laughs> God never does that. God's our helper. He, he will always be there to strengthen us and encourage us and support us and sustain us. As Dave under, David understood that, he went to God in that way. Uh, in, in the same way, the, the promises of God are eternal. His help is eternal. His promises are eternal. God is the eternal God. He's promised us eternal life. He's promised us a resurrection. He's promised a new heavens and a new earth. And, and God will bring all that to pass because nothing can overwhelm him. He is the almighty God. No power or being is greater than he is. Nothing can take that from us. So we can rest, we can live, we can grow, we can, we can become bold and courageous in the promises of God, knowing that he will help us, he will sustain us, and we have his promise as we move forward in life. Know also that our fellowship with him will be forever. I mean, how sweet is, is fellowship and worship with God? You know, we're just tasting it a little bit now. Think what it will be like. Here, here's just a passage from Revelation to give us just a brief taste of that. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, 
be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. We'll, we'll be a part of that one day. We, we'll celebrate that one day. Uh, on and on and on. And, and however, I, I mean, throughout eternity, it will never change because God will never change and, and he will make us immortal and we will spend eternity in his presence worshiping and praising him. But remember as well, people who reject him will spend eternity separated from him in a place of eternal torment. Let, let me pray just as we close up. And, and my prayer is just going to be, what would God love to do in each of our hearts and lives here at, at Windsor Community as a result of growing to understand he's the God who made us, he's the God who's, who is eternal and overall. So join me. Father, I, I thank you for these words of truth and, and all the implications they have for our lives. Father, you, you formed us, you made us out of your love and, and your desire to bless us and to honor us. God, I, I don't understand all of that. I often see myself as unworthy, but God, you value us. You want us to know you. You want us to bring honor and glory to you. God, God help every one of us here today to embrace that truth. Father, help us to root and ground our faith in your eternality, to know that you're you're, you, you have no beginning, you have no end, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we can trust in that. We know you will help us. We know that your promises are secure. We know, God, that we will one day have an ending fellowship with you forever and ever and ever. God, strengthen us in that. Give us boldness and courage to proclaim Christ in this community and wherever we find ourselves in this life with boldness, a boldness like David had. Lord, that we would come against um, those who, who reject your gospel or don't believe your gospel with love and truth and grace, but know that we come in the name of the Lord God Almighty. Uh, Father, give us that conviction. Give us that courage. Give us that boldness today for your glory and honor. That's our purpose for being here, God, to make you known and to glorify you in every way we can in our lives. Because, Father, we know you're going to bless us for all of eternity. We give you thanks now, Father, as, as we come to the table to share the bread and the cup. Father, Jesus ended uh, his blessing over the uh, Last Supper with these words, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup proclaims the Lord's death until the day I return, until the day I come back. God, uh, we know Jesus is coming back as the Alpha and the Omega. He's coming back as the end. He's coming back as uh, the judge, Father. Uh, as we eat and drink today, I, I pray, God, that you would deeply ingrain these truths in our hearts and lives, that we would thank you for Jesus, thank you that we have in him all that we need, everything for life, breath, godliness. Father, in him, uh, give us the boldness to declare and proclaim his truths to this world. So we give you thanks, we give you praise uh, in his glorious name. Amen. <laughs>